Hats Off is an edutainment podcast that is in no way a substitute for clinical assessment, diagnosis, and treatment. The views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and their guest. Mental health is defined as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. But sometimes we have to get real. And that's when we say, hats off. y'all miss us because we've been cutting up lately because we've been busy and booked and, and doing the things and busy. we are trying to get back on our schedule and we appreciate y'all's patience um but hello hatheads how are ye yeah so earl and i are coming off of an amazing two-week conference um, the Black Mental Health Symposium. <laughs> Did you say two-week conference? Two-week. Lord, it sounds <laughs> sound like I a lady from Titanic. <laughs> if, if it was good, I think I could do a two-week. If it was real, like, it would have to be good. They would have to have all kind of, like, good stuff mixed in, like massages and okay. like I, a retreat conference. I could maybe do now that. No, retreat, yes. With, like, Because you'll be learning and doing... Okay. Right. I I'm gonna say, but just two weeks of people talking to me. Two. Oh, never. Two days. It's him, right? Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> Bye. Right. I think you to leave your old home, actually. Right. 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 <laughs> Y'all. Could you imagine? I could. I, you know that if there's always this moment where I'm fine, and then the very next moment I'm not, like I, my snap is real. And you announce it, or you like, I'm not, I can't. I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah, yeah, there's this weird thing that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you offline, does my hair look weird? But no. okay. Because I braided it and just picked it out and threw it It just looks higher. Out. It is higher. Yeah. Because it's not curled. Twisted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Right? Right? Right. Right. Oh, top's on. Right. <laughs> so. Let's start again. Earl and I are just coming off of a two-day mm-hmm. conference, the Black Mental Health Symposium, which it was, A, just beautiful and lovely. This is where we're tipping our hats to. It was mm-hmm. beautiful and lovely to see so many therapists of color, mental health workers of color in one space. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. Um, the material was very diversified. Yes. and. Um, people were excited about what they were presenting about, which I think sometimes people are, have like done a thing over and over and they're over again, and they're just talking to talk. Right. And this group, I felt like they were like in it. And we got some really good gems. Yeah. Everybody had yeah. like passion for what they were talking about. Even like when I love when people at the beginning of their um, presentations talked about what made them get to that presentation. So like Mr. Wright, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that he was like, he was inspired by, um, I mean, we talked about Nigel a few months ago, the um, young 15-year-old gay boy that committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Gay young man. 
Um, but he talked about how like that just inspired him because he mm-hmm. is also a part of the community. And it was just like nice to see like people like what gave them their charge. Right. Versus some people like, well, I'm going to talk to you about this today. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So that was beautiful. Um, and then it just also opened up some really great conversations with some allies um, that I think always help move things forward. Um, it also kind of showed you that I'm going to need some of my fellow therapists to get on the couch. Yeah. There's a lot of audience members. Who had their own That stuff. were just getting charged and mm-hmm. like offended off things that you Didn't. just haven't dealt with in your life yet. Right, right. I agree. A hundred percent. What did you say your quote? Your ego quote? Oh, don't let your ego get in the way of your expansion. Boom. Did you write that in your phone? No. So I heard that when I did the creators program at Onsite, oh. one of the participants was like, I was kind of debating if I was going to come for a year or two. Like, was there anything new I was going to get? And he was like, and I realized I was letting my ego get in the way of my expansion. And I was like, oh. That one was good. All right. I hear you. I hear you <laughs> on that one. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, our topic was really very triggering Mm -hmm. and so I really just wanted to own that in the beginning but also encourage people to not let their feelings get in the way of this growth that could possibly happen if they could just hear what was being said um and people let us challenge them so Earl and I presented on the Cosby effect um and how yeah we did (laughs) how racism has bred toxic masculinity and femininity in the black community Mm -hmm. um and you know people are still very charged about certain folks you know in pop culture and certain belief systems and we just wanted to say how perhaps racism has gotten us to that place and maybe we're holding too tightly to something that was given to us incorrectly right um and i think it was a beautiful experience we got a lot of great feedback people really enjoyed it and we had like a really good group we did i love groups of people that are like not afraid to talk or ask questions mm-hmm. um and everybody just kind of like flowed right right it was really 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 good right yeah and i think one thing that you and i did well was we engaged with the comments mm-hmm. ourselves so that the people didn't feel like they needed to argue a point you see what I'm saying? Like, I will have the difficult conversation with this brother here mm-hmm. so that audience members don't start going at each other. I think yeah. that is the difference between healthy dialogue in a um, presentation and unhealthy dialogue. And so that was something I thought we did really, really well. And I just appreciate my boy Earl presenting with me because... It's the last time. He don't like it. And <laughs> I, I like it. And I appreciate him doing it with me. So... <laughs> It was good stuff. So, yeah. It was, though. So, tipping our hats to the Black Mental Health Symposium and Latanya Summers, who I don't know. How she does it. I don't know. And smiles and interacts. And her husband. I would, and her husband, Nate. Because I would snarl at people. Like, don't ask me nothing. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. I go somewhere. You. And they just engage and are funny and, like, Quick. roll with the punches. I mean, they was right. room for room. It was right. like Speedy Gun Goblins. Goblins. Like, they was... Any type of technical issues, her husband was just Right. It was good stuff. And so, and this is the fourth year that they've been doing it. And so, yeah, it, it was powerful and good. And so, um, definitely follow them on Instagram and check them out. Um, yes, yes, yes. And attend next year. Because you don't have to necessarily be a mental health worker to attend. As Somebody there was from the streets, as he said. So, all are welcome. You know? <laughs> And we're tipping our hat to us because, ew. We did that. So, yeah. 
Um, but one of the things we heard during one of the presentations, like as soon as she said it, I looked at Earl and I was like, that's a show. <laughs> and so, Earl, what did she say? She said, if you can survive the trauma, you can survive the recovery. Who, y'all. That's a word in that's itself. That's a word in itself because I think there are a lot of people who are afraid of the recovery. Yeah. Because it's like, if I open this up, I'm going to die. Like, I know there have been pain, there's pain that I've dealt with, that I've stuffed down. And then when I knew I had to open it up, I was like, the Lord might take me with him on this one. Because pain is a whole nother bean. level. It's its own being. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to talk today about the pain of recovery. Um, just to normalize that that shit don't necessarily feel good Mm-mm. and why it's important to do it anyway. So when you think of the pain of recovery, what do you think, Earl? What do you mean? Like when you think about people's resistance to the pain, like, hey, is the pain of recovery real? Oh, for sure. And it's different levels. Um, I like to think about like people who survived like losing a body part. Mm. Because your recovery is you're, like, literally becoming a new person. Right. You're going to have to relearn how to do things. Um, You know, phantom limb is very weird. Oh, right. Even when it's, like, internal organs. Like, mm-hmm. when people have to get, like, uh, breastfeed, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Um, Like a mastectomy? Yes, double mastectomy yeah. or mm-hmm. hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not just, like, your external limbs. Um, But I think it's, like, you have to relearn. You got to grieve. Mm-hmm. That. And that's the biggest part. Like it's mm-hmm. that's a lot going into that. Even sexual assault. Like you have mm-hmm. to grieve that who you were yesterday or back then is. It's, they're not gonna come back. They're not gonna come back. You're gonna have to. You're making a new person. And I think that's scary. Yeah. But I think the yeah. hardest part. You did survive the hardest. Mm-hmm. The the trauma. Mm-hmm. You survived that piece. And now it's like you have to relearn. Right. But I think a lot of times people. It's like surviving the trauma is like, let me get back to where I was. And, it's like, and no. it creates this false self. This, yeah. Like this false belief of who I am. Because I'm just trying to get back to where I was. And then, like you said, the recovery is accepting that that's not a thing. Yeah. And I and think you have to a part of recognizing that even if that trauma didn't happen to you, you're not going to be that same person. Mm-hmm. In life, you're never going to be who you used to be because you should always be growing or changing. Now, which direction you're going to grow is completely up to you. Right. If you're going to take steps backwards or you're going to take steps forward. So I think a big piece of recognizing is like, even without that experience, you're going to always be evolving as a person. So I think you got to look up like, "Mm, I don't need to be that person I was. Mm -hmm. Let's find a a newer and better me. Right. And I also think it's hard for people to accept that like in recovery... You might have to cut some more stuff out. Yeah, there you might mm-hmm. the the damage might not have cut out the cancers. And I think that's the and yeah, and a lot of times the cancers are the people, the beliefs, mm-hmm. the systems. Like because if you don't cut them out, it's gonna come back. It's gonna come back stronger. Right. And I think the biggest thing, honestly, is that um, the the scary part I think about recovery is that you don't know what it's gonna look like. Right. You literally cannot see into the future, so you mm-hmm. you don't know. Who's going to be around or who mm-hmm. needs to stay around? You don't know how you're going to be on today or mm-hmm. how you might feel tomorrow. You might feel good Friday. Or you might feel horrible on Saturday. It's yep. that unknown. And I think that's what scares people. Because, like, with the trauma, you knew it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then recovering from you, just like, well, I don't know what it's going to look like. Right. Yeah. So it's that fear. Mm-hmm. You know, fear is crippling. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think people should do? What should they do when they are like, I have some recovery I need to do and I'm scared as shit? I think one is rallying rallying your troops. Mm. And I mean your internal troops first. Right. So I think you got to get grounded. Have real conversations with yourself. Mm. Then rally your people. Right. And your people should include a therapist. Yep. Because I'm going to always say that. Right. A therapist. Um, And this is like getting real. I think it's like it's really standing up. Mm-hmm. Not like that, just sitting there and like wellowing in it. Which I think you also need to give your time to do that. Yeah. To like feel it. Exactly. But like recognize when you're ready to make that leap. Absolutely. Because only you know that. Because like no one around you can be like, all right, today's the day. Because mm-hmm. you're going to really look at them probably like, girl, fuck you. Right. Right. <laughs> and I do think like that internal, like getting grounded. Getting grounded and getting real. Yeah. Um, so, like, once you're grounded, because I think sometimes people know how to ground themselves and then suppress. And see, all I'm not stuff. talking about that groundedness of now you about to put everything in the right. back of your mind. Right. I'm real That's grounded. Stuffy. I like that you said, get grounded and getting real. So, right. having a real conversation with yourself, like, all right, mm-hmm. I ain't getting no better. Exactly. Or I'm starting to affect the people around me, too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then again, that like rallying of your like support system, like when you have a good support system, they really aren't going to let you fall. But so far, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? No, they can't drag you or force you, but they will be real with you and they Mm -hmm. will not let you fall. But so far. And so having those people that you can go to and be like, help. Who are like, oh, not only, like, help is not just sitting with you. Help is like, well, let's go ahead and go in here and find this therapist. Right. Let's go ahead and go in here and get this appointment. Like, that is the level of troops that you need. And on the flip side, I think sometimes awareness, you might recognize if your troops are starting to leave. Mm. And they've always been around. Mm. But you're becoming... Because the thing about recovery is if you're not going to deal with it, it's going to grow and it becomes it toxic. ugly, yeah. And it's when it starts to becoming be so toxic where it's affecting like mm-hmm. your 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 number one, your real troops, and they are now starting to have to be like, I have to back away because you're like now affecting their garden. Yeah. Then I think that can also be a wake-up call. Of Absolutely. Like, oh, I need to get on it. Absolutely, yeah. Because nothing lives in a vacuum. So if you are not dealing with your pain, you are in some ways going to be like dispensing that pain onto others. Mm-hmm. That's just what's going to happen. And it's not fair. You don't have that shit under control. That's just not how it works. And it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so what do you think is important for people to do while they're dealing, while they're in the process of recovery? Like the doing the work is really important. What else is really important? I think having boundaries, mm. boundaries with yourself and those around you, um, and recognizing, uh, I'm going to say trigger because recovery, I'm thinking about like trauma, but right. it's all compasses. Recognizing any type of trigger yep. and being able to communicate that to the people around you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so say you might be in like a real recovery of like sobriety or something, but like recognize like, oh, I don't need to be around this yep. or this type of thing. I know it's going to upset me or mm-hmm. bring up feelings. So I think setting boundaries yourself. But I think the first, like I said, the first boundary should be with yourself. Absolutely. Because you can be like, yeah, I'm going to set boundaries with people. But if you don't even have your own boundaries with yourself, yeah. I know damn well everybody else better cross your boundaries. Exactly. So I think being able to uphold your rules for yourself, mm-hmm. what you're going to allow yourself to deal with, or like your allocated time. So like if you know 
Sunday nights, I need to be meditating, mm-hmm. you know, or like cry purge. Right. You know, I think setting that time for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of my biggest boundaries for people um, is how they talk to themselves. Yeah. I know for me, I've had to have some hard boundaries where I'm just like, we don't do this. Like, when you catch yourself in that spiral, I'm like, we're not doing this yeah. no more. Because I'm not just going to spend time, waste time beating myself up. And we all know we can do that for fucking hours and I'm just not interested anymore and so mm-hmm. having a hard boundary around how I treat myself has been really big because mm-hmm. yeah I'm not getting better and what's the point of me doing the work and then going home and talking to myself like a dog like cause you're doing it right and you wasting your money and your time mm-hmm. cause you're gonna do that whole hour or however much building that all up and then for you to go home and I bet you it's going to take longer for you to build it up than, and it's going to be easier for you to tear it down. That time period is going to be way shorter. So much shorter. You can take a whole hour building yourself up, but that it takes 60 seconds. Right. To little, think about when you get mad about somebody doing something mm-hmm. after a whole day. You got 24 hours and 30 seconds of that going to piss you off right. to where it's going to probably affect it the next four hours for you. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I'm really big on that boundary. And I think it's okay to tell your people while I'm in my work, I can't be your support. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and friends should be able to hear that and handle that. And they should be able to be like, okay, I get it. And not say, well, I just supported you and now you can't support me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean you become an asshole or a recluse, but that means you know your limits and what else you can hold. Mm-hmm. And then you don't hold past that because you're doing your work. And at a, in this moment in time, you need to be focused on you. And I think people struggle with that. Of mm-hmm. being like, I can't, be your ear or your because people your just struggle with thinking they don't want to be mean yeah but it's like that's not let's go back to our topic from last week though just like things you learn as a kid mm. and people not being able to express their feelings right that's why everybody poor communicators now because <laughs> it's just like you saying I don't want to do something or I can't do something it should not be taken as mean right it's like but that's what people are like oh you're oh, being yeah. selfish yeah mm-hmm and that's yeah. okay. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish. It's these negative connotations with these words. Right. Blah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things I know is like when I'm in a heavy recovery process, I have my like self-care things on deck. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm really going through something, you're not going to catch me without my crochet. Mm-hmm. You're not going to catch me without my journal. You're not going to catch me without, you know, things that give me levity and make me laugh Um, because I'm doing enough. Like I'm doing enough work. I need my my things. You're not going to catch me without my nails done. You're not going to because I'm need to take care of me and show my up. Right. So that I can go back out there and keep doing the hard work. And so I think, you know, making sure that if you're in a recovery process or you're in the space where you're really trying to work on you, that you're also loving on you mm-hmm. really, really well, unapologetically. I think it's interesting to keep track of it. I think it's an interesting process to have some way to, you know, for me it's journaling, but just to kind of have some way to compare the beginning mm-hmm. and the end. End is a strong word because we, we're always in our work, but like when you get over the hump, when yeah. you get over to the other side of something, it's really power, empowering to see, oh gosh, that's where I was with this a month mm-hmm. ago or six months ago or five years ago to have something to go back to and be like, oh, look at you and this growth. Because that shows you this is the evidence of like, oh, I'm a totally different person. Right. Because sometimes you don't always feel it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can be in recovery and really not but then when you look feel back. like, yes. 
And so I always encourage people to somehow keep track of their progress so that they can keep saying, you know what, you're good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I also think it's important to have a gratitude practice because when you're doing recovery, you're really digging up all the not good shit. You know what I'm saying? And so having a gratitude practice helps you recognize that there is still so much good happening. And probably even during that time, there was still so much good happening. Yeah. Because people can, I think, lose sight of that all the time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Earl, what do you think are the, like, major pieces of recovery? Like, how do you know someone's in their recovery, regardless of what they're recovering from? You said the pieces, like the components? Right, because I think people think if I take this medicine, I'm healed. No. If I, go to th- if I just go to therapy, I'm healed. Like, I don't think people... I think number one, honesty. I always say honesty mm. and being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I mean honest with yourself, I mean like not putting this like facade up mm. or this hot air, not blowing up hot air. Like be honest with where you are today. Right. Um. So like if you if you ask yourself, oh how am I today? Like really, if you know you're having a sh- today is a rough day. I think mm-hmm. you need to really be real about it. Um. I definitely think being real with people around you. Right. About where you are. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so easy when people are like, oh, how you doing? You're like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. First off, good is not a feeling. Right. Right. Like, that's... That's actually not a thing. It's not a feeling. Um, I think... Like you said, having your... Your uh, your tools. Mm. Your self-care tools. Or the things you know that make you feel good. Um, allowing yourself to... Ex- Feel whatever you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Going back to that, because I just feel like that's your number one thing. Right. Honesty and allowing yourself to feel the things. Mm-hmm. So whatever emotion comes, feel it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you should always have your objective supports. Yeah. You know, your friends are great, and they can't necessarily be your objective supports. The best way to have an objective support is to have a professional support. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone that is a professional that you're working with to manage this. And so, like we said, we're always going to advocate therapy. um, And we also recognize that everyone can't afford it or doesn't have access to therapy that would be helpful for them. But finding some way, so whether that is... um, like an AA meeting or a CODA meeting. So there's an anonymous meeting for pretty much everything. Um, and I think they even do them online now. So finding meetings, connecting with people, being in a support group. And I think support groups are honestly the best thing. Because even if you're doing individual, at some point, if you're in some kind of recovery from a trauma or something, at some point, they're going to want you to do yes. a support group. Absolutely. They might start you off with individuals to get you... I'm not going to say patched up enough, but get you through it enough where you're not so triggered. Yes. And then they're going to put you, ask you, I've never seen where a step down plan did not include some type of group therapy. Because it's really good to hear like, hear and see other people who experience similar things to you Mm -hmm. because everybody's experience is individual. But be able to like recognize and be like, oh, it kind of keeps, it creates an accountability piece. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's another component. You need to be accountable. Yes. How are you doing the accountability piece? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And who are you accountable to? I also think that there needs to be some sort of spiritual connection. You know, I know everyone has their own spirituality, but whether your spirituality is God, a higher power, the source, nature, like family, Mm -hmm. like how are you connecting with your spirituality on a regular basis? Because having something bigger than us keeps us 
I don't know, for me, having a spiritual connection keeps me feeling like I don't have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Like there's somebody, there are people behind me who have lived longer than me. You know what I mean? Like all of that that are holding me up even when I feel like I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, so having some sort of spiritual connection I think is really, really important. And having some sort of reflective practice, whether it's journaling or meditating, um, really just journaling about because sometimes I think people want to talk about their business all the time and I don't know if that's healthy I well, think having a reflective practice that's personal where just you reflect on your work because you yeah. can communicate but you got to reflect because even when I do um like TLCBT there's a part of trauma where you have to do like a trauma narrative and that's just like you getting your trauma out. Mm-hmm. And whatever your narrative could be, you writing, it could be painting, or you making a story, a play. Right. Some people make songs. But I've always, one thing that we were, we were trained on this is that when you start seeing the client, it's just like expelling it all out. Like they're talking about it almost like it's a script. Right. They're not dealing with the trauma, they're right. just reciting it. Mm-hmm. And they're not putting feelings attached. And a lot of times we when we do that with, um, our clients, we always recognize. We always ask, "Well, what was your body telling you when this mm-hmm, happened? Mm-hmm. What was you? What were your? What was your brain saying? Right. What were your actions? You know, because when you bring it back to thoughts, feelings, and action, they you have to add it. Because I can easily be like, "Oh yes, then the car hit me, and then we got out, and then mm-hmm. um, I noticed that I was bleeding, and then the cops came, and the ambulance came, and then we got." I just gave you a script. I just told right. you what happened, but I didn't tell you. Oh, when the car hit me, I instantly thought I was going to die. My mm-hmm. heart was racing. My hands started shaking. My right. legs locked up. See, yeah, it's a whole difference because you're now getting back to your body where you have to feel right. like what was happening to you in that moment. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference in how you story tell. And I think another sign is like when people just start expelling all their business yep. to uh, all of a simple like question. Yes. That's a sign you need to go talk That's to That's not somebody. even connected necessarily yeah. to what's That's going on. That's not healthy. Right. When you just like expel it all out and it's like, oh, oversharing, I think is a big sign. Like you need to get on track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. And so that's a good point. What do you, what are the signs of, okay, I'm doing the things, but the things may not be working and I need to do something different. Like when can you tell if someone isn't as deep into their recovery as they believe to be? You shouldn't be as triggered as much. Mm. That's always the first sign. If you're getting re-triggered, and I mean you're having feels as if it just happened right. yesterday, mm. that's a sign you're not really doing your work. Right. Because those feelings should not be as amplified. After a while, it should start dwindling. That's like mm-hmm. the whole point of the narrative. Like with TLCPT, you don't get into that trauma narrative until almost like three months in mm. or two months into like TLCBT, the first four components, you don't even allow the person to talk about that trauma. Right. You might um, do some gradual exposure and be like, oh, yeah. Um, people who've experienced, mm-hmm. let's say, sexual assault or physical abuse, you always reference it to someone else. Like, oh, right. this is a typical feeling that might be. Right. But you never let it be like, oh, you might be feeling like you don't put it back on now because mm-hmm. that makes them feel, you know, alarmed. You try to expose them to the words and the psycho right. ed. So when by the time you get to the trauma narrative, this is when they're strictly talking about mm-hmm. themselves and their experience. And by then it should be dwindled. Mm-hmm. And then they should like to the point where they should be annoyed. Like mm-hmm. I'm tired of talking about this. Like when mm-hmm. we 
I'm doing a trauma day with a client right now. And they're just like, we still talking about this? Right. But they're able to talk and like name their feelings. I'm like, yes. yeah, I was scared. I was shook. I, I, was, I thought I was going to die. But like, it's to the point where it's like, their feelings are not being triggered. Right. right. They, they have it where they dealt with it. Where they're like, yes, I can talk about it. But when you start still having those visual and those mm-hmm. uh, somatic responses, you're not dealing with it. Right. That means Agreed. you're just pushing through. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think back to like what Earl said in the beginning, like when you can't stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> when you at the grocery store or when you make every conversation about you or when you really, really want other people to be like fired up about something with you. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, that's terrible. But like you keep trying to like really hone in like that means you have something unresolved mm-hmm. and you're not probably not being as accountable as you need to be because people do horrible, horrible things. And we really have to own that. The recovery, unfortunately is ours. Like no matter what someone does to me, I am, I have to do the work of being well again. Yeah. Like, and I can't be focused on them and they're misjustice and they're like, you know, all this, you know, the injustice of who they are and what they've done and be focused on me getting well so that I don't find myself in those similar situations with people who are proven mm-hmm. to not be what I need. Yeah, I don't think you should ever, depending on the recovery, don't look out for like an apology mm. or remorse. I mean, I kind of feel like you shouldn't ever look for it. Uh-uh. It'd be, it's great when we get it. Yes. But it's devastating when we don't, when we've been waiting on it. Because then you're going to re-traumatize yourself. Yes. So I, I think you definitely don't look for anything in someone else. Right. You need to look within and your goal should be, it should be, I'm going to get better because I want to prove something. You need to mm-hmm. say, I want to get better for myself. Right. I think it's just how you phrase it. Right. If you're doing it for other people, mm-hmm. I don't feel like your journey is going to be as far. Right. Absolutely. It should always be from the root of yourself. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, like Earl said, it's scary because we don't know how it's going to look. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is what we want it to look like. And no, it won't look like that perfectly. But you can start getting comfortable with the fact that you have some say in how it looks. You know what I mean? And if you know that there are some things, if you do them, are going to pull put you in a different direction of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot do those things. And there are some things that when you do those things, they bring you closer to where you want to be. And you can do more of that. Like... Those are the things, like doing more of the things that feed your soul and less of the things that drain your soul are probably going to put you on at least the right direction. Right. And you can always focus on that. And, you know, you will have to wait to see how it ends up, but you can always focus on, am I feeding my soul or draining my soul in this minute? Am I allowing people who feed my soul or drain my soul into my life? It's, yeah, Yeah. that's the stuff we can get a hold of (laughs) and do something with. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, we wanted to just kind of own, like, yes, recovery is very painful. And you've already survived. And you are not going to fall apart if you don't, if you do your work. Um, but not doing your work may cost you. Yes, maybe. And the price is probably much higher than you're willing to pay. Yeah. So, find your tribe, get your help. Um... Um, So I have a question for you for question of the day. Okay. Um, And we'll both answer it. 
How important, because we are, you know, black therapists, how important do you think it is for people to have people who look like them in the process of their recovery? So I'm thinking about when we talk about talk to people who are like, yeah, I live in a very rural area mm-hmm. or, um, you know, there's just not a lot of people like me there. Um, like people who are like, I don't want to do my recovery because... I don't have the resources that I feel best match me. Like, what, yeah. what do you say to them? So, well, you say how important it is, right? Mm-hmm. That was the first one. So, I go back and forth between this because mm-hmm. I think it is important to have someone, before I say look like you, I want, I would say someone that knows how to deal with things that you've experienced. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a plus to have right. someone look like you because sometimes... If they look like you, that means they might have been through similar things right. as you, which means you don't have to explain. Mm-hmm. I think whenever you have to re- explain to the person that's it's supposed hard. to be helping you, yeah. you're getting a disservice. Right. Because if I have to explain to you just to get you on like, oh, okay, and then we're going to go to helping me. Right. That's like a waste of money. I agree. But there are sometimes people that look like you. And they might not get what you're feeling. Because some people are not raised the same. Right. So Or they're unwell and your stuff is on yeah, touching their stuff and exactly. so they can't show up. So I think it's good to look for people that have, I think, a 1D experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like let's say we're talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. That might be a very good thing to have somebody that looks like you that also has the experience. Right. But I'm not going to knock a person that doesn't look like you and they have X amount of experience mm-hmm. in dealing with that. So I think it's it's a, it's it's like a 50-50 thing. Yeah, gotcha. But I would always say, like, if you're going to somebody to talk in general, I would want somebody that looks like me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that is the most ideal form of work. Mm-hmm. And just because that isn't being met doesn't mean you don't go for your healing and yeah. your recovery. And so what I would encourage for people who just don't have the like the the blessing of having someone that looks like them to provide them with that professional piece mm-hmm. is how can you find that in other ways you know what i mean can you like iyanla benzan i know we talk about iyanla because she'd be problematic but she does have this great little series on youtube you know what i mean mm-hmm. where she talks about relationships and connecting and all of that um you know, listening to podcasts with therapists of color, um, finding, you know, Instagram people to follow, reading mm-hmm. articles, looking like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you can get it in other ways yeah. and yet still use the resources that you have available to yeah. you. And when you're looking for your resources, look for some buzzwords. So if you go on like psychology today or therapy for black girls and all of those things, like read what they're saying don't just go off of the picture yeah in the first couple of sentences like we take the time to read the whole bio and see if those buzzwords around intersectionality inclusivity you know like human rights see if some of those buzzwords are in their profile that will tell you if maybe they get it or not mm-hmm. um and i think that will make it a little bit more comfortable to open and share so those are our suggestions because yeah because i Someone not looking like you is not ex- an excuse for you not to pause your recovery or your healing. Right. Like, right. you should never be pointing out, like, well, I'm going to just pause this until later. Right. Because that's just going to fester. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So those are our suggestions um, for how to find your healing, even when you feel like you don't have people who look like you to provide it. All right. Well, now it's time for That's Not a Thing. Um, That's Not a Thing. Earl, do you have a That's Not a Thing? I do. All right. My That's Not a Thing is being a licensed professional. Mm. <laughs> and not practicing cultural humility. Mm. Um, and cultural humility is the step above cultural competence. Yeah, you can say all day I recognize the differences of cultures, mm-hmm. and I, I I get it. But cultural humility is actually the act of practicing it and respecting it and trying to get in the root of that person's culture you could be all day yeah i'm competent mm-hmm. i i oh yeah i know all about the lgbt community but are you being humility where you're showing the respect for it right and recognizing and respecting the differences and not allowing your own feelings to do a misjustice or a misservice mm-hmm. um so i have issues with anyone that's licensed and you're dealing with people's lives and possibly planning untrue Facts. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. not a thing. That's a thing that'll get you reported about to the board. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's my. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my that's not a thing is like a lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. I think that people struggle to hear. <laughs> Like, when they're not even necessarily, like, personal accountability, like, group accountability. Like, people struggling to, you know, hear that they are a member of a group that is problematic. Yeah. And instead of them just being like, dang, I got to do something different. They're like, it's all our fault? We did it all? Even when you're not saying that. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you're not even saying, yes, it's all your fault, you did it all. They're still feeling very... I don't know, defensive about how we've gotten to this place. And so I just really want to encourage people that I get it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. There is a long, long history of poor parenting by black mothers. Like, that's just what that is. One of the speakers even spoke on the mother wound Mm -hmm. and how unhealed black mothers impact their children. Now... I can get all up in my feels about that as a black mother, or I can recognize that they're not making this shit up and do the work to be a better black mother. You see what I mean? To be Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, these are the things that I, I perpetuate from this group. These are the things I need to be aware of so that I can be a better human. You know what I mean? Instead of just being like, well, why are you just trying to say, what about black fathers? What about that? I can't do shit about them. Mm-hmm. Like, black fathers got to answer for black fathers, but black mothers have some things we need to work on. And I think you can look at that a lot of ways. You can look at that with masculinity. You can look at that with race. You can look at the black relationship with the LGBTQIA plus community. Like, we got to own what's ours to own. And we got to own what was passed down to us because of our privilege. And so, and until you do that, we're going to still be in these same places. 
we had a guy in one of the things who was like, I was on the board talking about this 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we still talk about it in 2019. It's because we don't want to own that some shit's got to be different. And that's the only way that change will happen. So accountability is a thing. Yeah. Yes. Turns out. I like it. All right. Um, I don't know about any resources. I'm sure we can find something. We'll send y'all some resources. Um, that quote, though, still quote. stands. Mm-hmm. If you can survive the trauma, you can survive the recovery. Yeah, that's the quote of the day. What's her name? Uh, Dr. Anel. I got it. Yep. We'll put that on there. We'll give Dr. Anel her things. Yes. Because um, she was really good. All right, y'all. Well, check us out on all the things. We are hats. hats Anel off. Williams. Anel Williams. Dr. Anel Williams. Um, she's a psychologist in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to Texas. Yeah, she got a lot of letters. Right. That's all I can say. <laughs> so, yeah, I know she does school psychology. Mm-hmm. Last year, she was doctor on her things. So, I don't know why I wasn't this year. But I know she's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. But um, check us out on all the things. Uh, we are Hats Off Podcast CLT on Instagram. And then Hats Off Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow our individual pages. My Instagram is Earl Martin LCSW, as well as my Facebook. You can check me out on my website, which is EarlMartinLCSW.com. And I am Courtney Leak LCSW on Instagram and Facebook, and then Courtney LCSW on Twitter. Um, check out Carter on at Carter's Curious Corner on Instagram. Um, and we got some other exciting things coming your yes. way, so be on the lookout. Um, oh, give us some reviews, like, share, subscribe, tell your folks, tell your mom and them, all the people, um, and that's it. Yeah, send in questions for the question of the day segment at hatsoffpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Until next time, be you. Be true. Hats, Hats off. off. Hats off is brought to you by Earl Martin and my mommy, Courtney Leak. And I'm Carter.